0: Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where our goal is to help Christians love and live out God's Word. My name is Jesse Randolph. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. I'm the pastor-teacher at Indian Hills Community Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And today on the podcast, we have uh, two special guests. We have Jeremy Howard and Ken Chipchase of the Do Theology Podcast. Men, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Good to be with you, Jesse. Great to have you guys. Well, as I mentioned, Uh, Ken and Jeremy are hosts of uh, their own podcast, the Do Theology podcast. It's a a podcast I listen to regularly. I know many of our listeners listen to that podcast, and if you're not already subscribed and following uh, what they do through Do Theology, I'd encourage you to jump on and uh, follow them right away. Now, um, Ken and Jeremy have uh, graciously agreed, in the midst of all their busy schedules, to be part of our podcast. And guys, before we get into our topics for today— I just want to get a little sense, uh, for our listeners' sake, of you, your ministry, uh, how you're connected locally in your churches, aside from what you do in the Do Theology podcast. So could you give a little uh, biographical information on who you are, what you do, and and the various areas the Lord has you serving?
1: Sure. Well, again, I'm I'm Ken. Uh, I'm a pastor, uh, church planting pastor in Jeffersonville, Indiana, Pastor Pillar Fellowship. Uh, we're a church that uh, tried to tried to launch in the middle of all the COVID pandemic stuff, and the uh, Lord's been gracious to us through all of that, and we're, we're pressing on. So that's really kind of the, the bulk of our ministry out here, is, is trying to get this, get this church rolling.
2: Great. I pastor Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah. We're about 15 minutes south of Provo, and uh, our church was planted 53 years ago. And so the ministry that we had here was to get this church to graduation, and we have graduated from the mission that planted us, and now, well, we've just remained on here, and I'm serving as the full time pastor.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And on top of all of that, I know you have you're you're both married, you have families, and uh, you you somehow find time to uh, do the Do Theology podcast, which, as I mentioned, has been a blessing uh, to many. Now. The, the topic for today is the, the matter of uh, theological triage. Uh, before we get into that topic, though, and I know you have definitions and you even have a chart that goes along with that concept, but could you guys give us a, a broader understanding of, of Do Theology, the ministry of Do Theology, the podcast itself? Uh, what is the podcast? What does it stand for? What are you guys seeking to accomplish? Yeah, so
2: the podcast really did start with the chart that you can find at theology.com slash chart. It's a concept that I sketched out 12 years ago now when I was interning as a youth pastor in Kansas City and working with some kids who came from obviously different types of homes as they're participating in this youth group. Some of them were very and well-versed in Christian theology and others were new to everything. And I, I really was looking for some sort of a resource that would help these children to wrap their minds around what is most important in, in Christian faith. And I uh, wasn't able to find too much that I liked, uh, so I created something on my own and it's been developed through the years. Like I said, that was 12 years ago and Ken and I have had our own iterations of the chart but I think we're we're at the resting place now we feel really comfortable with where it is now but but yeah it, it separates christian doctrine and practice into three categories primary doctrine secondary doctrine and what paul calls in romans 14 doubtful things or opinions and we basically just talk about those types of issues. There's like an endless amount of conversation topics you can have from that perspective. And so that's what we endeavor to do is have endless conversations about that kind of stuff.
0: Good, good. Well, if we could take it back a step before we get into triage um, and again, and the, the chart and the concept that you have been working on for all these years, can you help our listeners and our, our audience just understand the concept of theology. What is theology? What are we describing when we're talking about theology? What is its goal?
1: Yeah, so the the word theology itself simply means the study of God. And so when we think of what is theology at its base level, at its most fundamental level, that's what we're talking about. We want to know what has God said? What has he communicated to us and how do we understand that? And so when we're talking about studying the scriptures and studying what the scriptures have to say, we're doing theology, even if we don't often put those kind of terms to it, we often are doing theology just every time we open up the scriptures and seek to understand it. But the goal of doing theology, the goal of trying to, to understand things in a theological framework, I think of 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 5, where Paul says that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith— And this is what theology ought to produce in us. The goal of our instruction, the goal of our teaching, of of the doctrine that we are expounding upon is to produce gospel fruit, is to produce healthy lives within ourselves as we seek to love God and love others.
2: Peter tells us in the New Testament that God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. That's a real stimulating verse for me to think about. Uh, the reality of that, and then how that connects to my day-to-day life. And so we want to be intensely practical whenever we do theology. We want to uh, make the connection from the theoretical to the practical, which is always critical. If we're just Christians on paper, uh, that is not going to make a difference. So we have to connect it to our
0: lives. I love that. And that's you guys didn't do this directly just now, but it links directly to the title of your podcast and your ministry. You're doing theology, adding a, adding a verbal concept there, the idea of practicing what we believe, living out of what we're teaching and what we're giving instruction in. Like you said, Ken, from 1 Timothy 1, five. that's incredibly helpful to think through a theology that isn't something that we just store up and stack up. You know, knowledge can puff up, but rather something that we we do and live out, of course, rooted in the fundamental truth that we hold to and affirm, but um, something that we do nonetheless. Now, on the flip side of that idea of doing theology and living out the doctrine, the truth that we know and and hold dear to, in what ways, if not careful, can theology be divisive?
2: Well, it can be divisive in many ways, depending on who's involved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, by itself, doctrine hurts nobody. But when you add to uh, biblical doctrine, fallen humans with pride and with all kinds of selfish ambition, uh, you can make any good thing a bad thing, uh, and doctrine is no exception to that. And so uh, in the church, doctrine can be dangerous in that there are people that will fight about doctrine wrongly. Now, of course, there are times when we are to divide, to separate based on uh, what is true and what is false. We we must make those decisions as pastors, as really just Christians with a backbone. Uh, we can't have Christ and Belial mixed together, joined together as though they could sing in the same chorus. That could never happen. And so we have to be willing to separate when it's necessary. But then you get into some situations that are like Paul and Barnabas situations where they were arguing over qualifications for ministry, if if John Mark was qualified or not. And that's not a believer and an unbeliever separating. You have two believers there that had to separate over that issue. And, it's divisive in more ways than one but what we always have to be careful about is that we are dividing on the basis of truth on the basis of the word of god not on the basis of pride not on the basis of trying to win an argument but because we are adhering to god's word in such a way that we we can't go that direction because it would be to go against conscience and as martin luther's Told us that to go against uh, conscience is not a good thing. So it can divide in a variety of ways, some of which are healthy, and some of which can actually end up being quite painful.
1: Yeah, most fundamentally, I mean, the nature of truth, just by nature of being, being there, being truth, it is divisive. Just just on the base level of it, anytime you make a truth claim, it necessarily means that any other contrary claim, there's there's going to be a, a headbutting there. Mm-hmm. And so our goal within our podcast is really to help us think through all of those disagreements. And there, as Jeremy mentioned, there are some disagreements that are more significant than others and end up in different places, depending on how uh, what what the area that division is or the, uh, the disagreement is over, rather. And so our goal is to help us just discern what level of separation is appropriate for the different kinds of realms of doctrine and the disagreements that arise.
0: Wonderful. And I love what you're both saying. Truth will lead to uh, distinction. It will lead to sometimes division and, and separation. Uh, truth necessarily excludes falsehood, and that means calling something false and error, and that's going to, to ruffle feathers, hurt feelings, and and ultimately lead people to go in different directions. So sometimes there's health to that, uh, that idea. And that just takes us right into what uh, really the, the topic of today's podcast is, and it goes back to your... Uh, the start of your podcast and your ministry, that of theological triage. Can you guys help us think through how Christians should think about these different levels of, of possible theological disagreement or separation? So you've got the three categories there. There's a chart on your website that our our listeners can go find, but can you help us unpack those three categories, those three aspects of theological triage and what distinguishes them? So the simplest way to
2: start that I've found in introducing such an idea to Christians is you're you're in a plane that's going down, everyone on the plane is about to die, you stand up to say one final thing before you take your last breath, and you have all these, these people in the cabin with you, believers, unbelievers, mixed together. Are the final words out of your mouth going to be, here's my case for why the miraculous sign gifts have ceased today? <laughs> <laughs> it can be. I mean, all right, you, you you can go that direction if you want to, yeah. but it uh, th- shouldn't be, all right? So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul kind of sets our, our mind on the right track here when he tells the Corinthians look, I I delivered to you what was of first importance. That's the language he uses. And he says that Jesus died according to the scriptures, was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. So Paul is saying the crowning achievement of Christ's work here on earth, his death, burial, and resurrection is of first importance. As important as Anything else could be that we could throw out there. This is first. So we get our mind then on this trajectory of recognizing not all Christian doctrine is of equal importance. And if you can accept that initially, you can develop that thought in in a bunch of different directions. But we we think with our chart, we've kind of landed in a good place, like I mentioned, and I'll let Ken kind of take it from there.
1: Well, with the chart, one of the things that we think separates us from, from... others who have have done theological triage, and and we recognize that we, we kind of stand on the shoulders of other people who have tried to think through these topics as well, but one of the things that we do think is a distinction with the way we've sought to do it is we have really sought to look at the scriptures first, as Jeremy mentioned, 1 Corinthians 15, and there are other passages that speak of almost a different levels of importance within the different discussions, the different disagreements that are going on. And answer the question: well, does the scriptures themselves instruct us about how to handle different disagreements that arise? And if it does, what does it say? And does it instruct us on on a kind of a tiered basis in that way? So there, and I think the answer to that question is absolutely yes. So we have passages that instruct us that if you know someone is departing on certain key fundamental doctrines of the faith that we're to separate from those individuals. We don't extend the right hand of fellowship to those individuals and affirm them as brothers or sisters in Christ because they have abandoned what what uh, John says in 1 John, the, the doctrines of Christ, like you've abandoned that. We are not brothers. But then there are other disagreements in scriptures where uh, different writers instruct us differently on how to handle those. I think of Paul when he wrote uh, to Utica and Syntyche, I think is how you say their names, and they said... He said, agree in the Lord. Okay, you've got a disagreement. Well, you just need to figure out how to agree in the Lord about that. Other situations, Jeremy mentioned Paul and Barnabas. They parted ways. I'm confident they would have still affirmed each other as brothers in Christ, but for the purpose of the ministry that they were seeking to do, they found it necessary and wise to part ways for the sake of that ministry at that time. And so we have instructions in scripture itself that directs us to be handling different levels of disagreement differently. And when you begin to suss that out, you end up with this theological triage concept where we have to wrestle with what level of importance is this? Do the scriptures direct us towards a certain level of importance? And how do we think about that and respond accordingly?
2: And of course, from there, you know, someone hearing this maybe as a new concept, there are all kinds of, well, what about, what about, what about that comes up? And that's why we have a whole podcast <laughs> that's devoted <laughs> to to talking about this, because the what abouts are, again, virtually endless.
0: Yeah. Just to give us all a bit of a preview of what you put, actually, you, you guys would say where scripture places certain topics and which category they fall into, I want to encourage our listeners to go find that and get that that resource for themselves. But just as a way, as a preview, what are some topics that you guys have found belong in which category, just as examples?
2: Well, uh, the primary doctrine—I mean, this is a great question, because th- this is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have—the the primary doctrine column is comprised of more than just the gospel. A, a lot of times you'll hear people uh, talking about primary doctrine and secondary doctrine, and what they mean is— a gospel issue versus a non-gospel issue. We're not dividing it up that way. Uh, we, We do see, obviously, an importance of keeping the gospel as the gospel and not adding things to the gospel. But primary doctrine is not a term that we use synonymously with the gospel. The gospel is an aspect of primary doctrine, but it is not the totality of primary doctrine. So we would say primary doctrine is anything that is definitional to Christianity, and that begins with the gospel, which is of first importance, but from there it goes on to the Trinity. I mean, when in a a gospel presentation have we outlined in detail the Trinity? Maybe sometimes we have, but not every time, because we recognize that That's something that just takes time to learn and to understand and to grow in. And so we're not going to put that in secondary doctrine, but we're also not going to say that's the gospel to have a perfect Trinitarian understanding. Because if that was the case, when would any of us get saved, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we, we say primary doctrine is uh, all matters that are definitional to Christianity and there's more to that. And in secondary doctrine, those are matters that do affect our worldview. We actually divide it up in that column between worldview shaping and like church practice issues. And so that would be things like Calvinism versus Arminianism, your views of the end times, etc. Those are very worldview shaping doctrines, but are secondary in nature. And uh, church practice issues like modes of baptism and modes of evangelism, things like that. And then finally, the third column is all personal conviction stuff, personal conscience matters that have to do with the way that we live, what kind of music we listen to, what holidays we observe. Uh, what we eat and drink, Paul uses those examples in the New Testament, for example. So that's the kind of the big overview. But I don't have the chart up in front of me right now, and I don't have it memorized. Can you believe that? <laughs> After maybe, twelve maybe years, yeah. <laughs> no,
0: let's maybe go in this direction. Let's let's just talk about the danger of going in the opposite direction of of taking maybe what you might call a I don't know if you would call it tertiary, but you call it doubtful things in, in your chart, but things that aren't in that first category what's the danger of taking something that's in that second or third category and treating it as though it is a first category matter?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. And and one thing I want to kind of point out that is really one of the most important aspects of this chart is at the top of the chart, it says that primary doctrines should not be violated by other doctrines. Mm. These objective truths inform and limit convictions and conscience matters. And so you end up kind of viewing secondary and doubtful things, that third column, kind of through the lens of the primary column. Well, if you get the items out of place, and so our kind of our tagline for our show is keeping doctrine in its place, when you begin to get them out of place, you can run off the rails in a whole lot of different directions, and you can run the risk of becoming legalistic about something that scriptures do not directly command us or instruct us in that matter, so, for example, um, what kind of hobbies do you enjoy? Well, I think everyone should, or no one should, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, well, if you elevate that to a primary issue where Scripture has not elevated it, and when we look at the Scriptures about how we treat primary issues and we say, hey, these individuals who depart on primary issues, they're not brothers or sisters in Christ, Well, now we've created a legalistic system where we are excluding other individuals who don't happen to have my preferences, and we're calling them they're not real Christians because they don't do X, Y, Z like I do. So it, it tends towards pride and it tends towards legalism. Right.
0: And on top of that, highlighting what Jeremy said earlier, if you go the other way and you say in that first category or would only be the gospel, you can actually do other forms of danger. It sounds like in saying, well, if you have in uh, an unorthodox or an anti-Trinitarian Trinitarianism that you're okay somehow whereas over church history we've seen if you if you don't hold to the Trinity uh, talk about you know Arianism, talk about today's in today's day Jehovah's Witnesses these aren't brothers or sisters in Christ this is a this is a first category issue it goes beyond the gospel I, I think how you said it Jeremy is the gospel is part of that uh, first group, but it's not the only aspect of that first group so that's very interesting how on the one hand, what you're identifying, Ken, is you can have legalism if you treat what you call doubtful things as first tier issues, but you can also go the other way where you give people unnecessary comfort or assurance mm. because they might affirm what Paul has said in 1 Corinthians 15one through 4, but there's some other aspect of primary doctrine that they've gone wayward from. Is that a fair yes. summary for you guys?
2: And I I throw out there too, you know, we are recording this in June. So another (laughs) uh, topical pertinent example here is how people will say, you know, you can be a homosexual Christian. Well, we believe that God's morality on human sexuality is an aspect of primary doctrine. That's not a secondary or tertiary issue. That is something that is primary. Mm. Uh, we believe in the image of God and man and God's design for man. And so to accept that sin would be to be contrary to Christianity as a whole. So, yeah, we, we definitely want to safeguard primary doctrine in all of its forms, because there are some groups out there, of course, that want to say, well, nothing's primary, and then you're in universalism land. So you don't want to do that, and you also don't want to just have two categories where everything is either definitional to the faith or a personal conviction matter, because that leads into some strange places, too, where uh, you say, well, look, okay, you got the gospel— everything else is just a personal conscience issue. Well, no, that's not the case uh, because there are some doctrines out there that majorly affect your worldview. They may not be gospel, they may not even be primary, but they affect the way you see the world. I mean, it End times is a key example of that. And so um, we don't want to do what some people have done with their models of theological triage and say something like eschatology is just third, fourth column or off the chart. You know, we just, no one can even know. And so we're not even going to talk about it. No, uh, we have to recognize that. Christian Christianity is really an eschatological religion, yeah. and uh, the way that we view how God is bringing all this to an end has a direct impact on how we live today, and so we need to keep that in its proper place as well.
0: Indeed. Guys, this is really, really helpful, and um, I'm just going to encourage our listeners once again to go check out Do Theology. It's the Do Theology podcast. There's also a website, Do uh, I know in recent episodes, you guys have covered everything from the extent of the atonement to, I think there was a former Eastern Orthodox uh, gentleman that was on the podcast. Jeremy, actually, you've done some writing recently on a critiquing covenant theology. You guys really kind of, you cover the waterfront theologically, and and I think people would really benefit and be blessed by your ministry. So go check that out. Any other ways where we can find you guys, whether it be through uh, media channels or social media so people can follow along? If you want my theological hot takes, find me on
2: Twitter. If you want pictures of my kids, find me on Facebook.
1: (laughs) I am on Twitter, but not super active there. I'm actually not super active on social media in general, uh, as far as posting and such. But every once in a while, I'll post something on KenChipChase.com. But honestly, the majority of my uh, stuff is through the podcast.
0: Great, great. Well, Jeremy, Ken, thank you again for joining us and blessing us with your wisdom on these topics. Pleasure to have you guys on. The final word, as always on the podcast, goes to God and his word, who in 2 Timothy 1.13 says, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Thanks again, guys. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Sound Words Podcast.